0: Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Dear God, we just thank you for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. And Lord, we just pray. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. and. God, I just commit this word into your hands, and I pray um, that the hearts of your people will be like fertile soil. Um, I really do pray that as the word is being preached, Lord, that it would be planted and it would bear fruit. I pray, Lord, over everyone. Um, I pray there would be no distraction, there'd be no interruption. I pray that our ears would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as we read the word that we would be able to recognize that you are speaking to us through your word. And I pray most importantly, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the title of this message is Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Um, when we think of blood, we can associ- sometimes we can associate it with guts and gore. I know for me, before I came to Christ, before I encountered Jesus, I loved horror movies, believe it or not. Um, I found it entertaining. There was a joy. I I don't know how to explain. Um, But now now that I came to the knowledge of Jesus, obviously that doesn't compare to the joy of knowing him. But, you know, there'll be things that I would be looking out for. And that was my understanding of blood. That was my understanding of, you know, that's that's just my understanding of blood. But it wasn't until I knew Jesus that um, I became more conscious of what I watch, what I listen to, what I read. And so that was my journey. And before that took place, you know, there were things that I used to do. I would try to find buddies that I could watch those type of movies with, wasn't successful. Um, And what I realized that obviously not everyone likes blood. I just realized that. But also for some people, you know, the understanding of blood might be different. Uh, For others, we know that if someone is losing blood, we know they're in a critical condition. You know, we see ads everywhere about people um, encouraging others to donate blood. So we know that blood is important. And so there seems to be a universal understanding that blood is symbolic of life. So tonight I wanted to talk about the blood of Jesus, but not in a scary way, but from a place where we understand what the Bible says about it. The blood of Jesus, it's pure, it's precious, and it's powerful. And so why the blood? You know, you might be sitting here and you're thinking, what's so special about the blood of Jesus? And you might be new to being a Christian and you hear it from time to time. We take communion. We know the drink represents his blood. You know, all of these little things. But the reason why the blood of Jesus is so important, so powerful is that no amount of animal sacrifices were enough to cleanse us completely. That was the reason why it's important. And so when we don't understand what something is or we don't know the reason why we're doing it, we don't understand its power. We say knowledge is power. So when we know what the blood of Jesus does, we realize how powerful it is and we're able to apply it to our lives. So I wanna quickly share about, um, before I go into the message, about when in the book of Exodus, the Israelites were under slavery, they were in bondage. And we see some parallels between that time and also with us in Christ. So God called a man named Moses to deliver the Israelites and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. We see that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised deliverer who sets us free from sin. The Israelites were in slavery. They were in bondage physically. We too were in slavery, but it was spiritual. We were slaves of sin. Lastly, we see that after nine plagues later, clearly Pharaoh didn't get it, and he had a hardened heart, and we know that, he, you know, God organized a tenth plague, and he instructed the people to smear blood of the lamb over their household, over their doorstep, and what he said is that um, a death is going to come, and it's going to wipe out the firstborn of every single person in the land, but it will not touch you, and we see the parallel with us that the blood of Jesus covers us it protects us from spiritual death that is as a result of sin wow. right. so when we talk about the blood it wasn't just physical blood that was shed it was it had spiritual significance and so when we know about the blood of Jesus we realize oh actually there's actually more to it than we realize And so there's so many things that I could talk about when it comes to the blood of Jesus, but I'm only going to share three points, and it's going to be you know which are fundamental to our walk with God, because if we don't understand it, it just is something that we do. We just take the cup and we drink of it, and we don't realize how powerful it is. So we're going to use the acronym RED because blood is red. I hope everyone agrees with me on that. Not open for debate. Blood is red. And so each point is going to represent a point. Each letter is going to represent a point. So the first one, R is for ransomed. So in First Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, it says, Knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So Peter was reminding God's people that while you're in this world, don't get too comfortable. This world is not your home. And so he's reminding them that you guys are actually uh, a group of people that have been set apart. That you've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That your identity is in Christ. And so he tells them that you weren't ransomed with empty, you know, ransomed from empty ways of thinking, from the vanity of life that was inherited from your ancestors. You are ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus. And so, but if you've ever watched a movie where someone is held hostage, we know that, you know, the person often wants some type of ransom in order for them to be released. We agree with that. And if the person is lucky, they get the chance to call someone that they love. And that person is someone who they believe can help And that person in that moment, when they hear about the ransom, they're not thinking about the cost. They're thinking about the life of the other person. So maybe after a few years, that person, if they worked hard enough, they might be able to recover that amount that they had to pay as ransom. But the truth is, for us to understand what it means to be ransomed, we all have to acknowledge that we were enslaved. And so before we knew God, we were in sin we were rebellious, we were disobedient, we did what was right in our own sight. We did what was right according to our own understanding and we justified it. But here it tells us in Romans chapter six that we are slaves of sin. And so what it means to be a slave of sin is that we were more obedient to our sinful nature, to our desires of the flesh than we were obedient to God. And so the price, the cost of sin led to death. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so that was a consequence of sin and it was a spiritual death we're talking about, leading to eternal separation. So Jesus paid the price in exchange for for us to live. He laid down his life. And so unlike the movie, um, we didn't call on God. If anything, we didn't even know we were in bondage we were prideful, we became gods in our own eyes. And I'm so fortunate that God did not wait for us to cry out to him or to beg to save us, but rather it tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse six to eight, for while you were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we didn't cry out to God. Instead, we said, crucify him. We were spiritually blind. And yet God sent his one and only son to die for us at the right time. And I loved how it says that for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, perhaps for a good person. And it just reminds me of how Jesus says that it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. I didn't come to save the righteous, I came to save the sinners. So Christ came to save us. We weren't worthy, we weren't perfect, but he came to save us. And so it says here too that perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. And it just made me think that, you know, for some of us, you know, there are people in this world that um, others may look at and think they don't deserve a second chance. They didn't deserve the grace or the mercy of God. But the truth is we were all undeserving of the grace and mercy of God. It doesn't matter what sin was committed, whether it was minor in comparison to the person sitting next to you, every single one of us needed a saviour. Every, uh, every single one of us needed the saving grace of God. And so Christ didn't just die for a good person. He died for sinners. So when it, we go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, and we have that image in our head, you weren't ransomed, you weren't rescued, you weren't delivered from your sin. You weren't set free from the futile and vain ways of life. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus. So you weren't ransomed with perishable things like silver or gold. You weren't ransomed with things that one day have value and the next day they don't. You weren't ransomed with things that could be easily replaced or easily uh, destroyed. You weren't ransomed with things that, you know, were monetary, were, that could easily fade away after a couple of years. You are ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so the reason why it's precious is because we know that blood is symbolic of life. But it's also precious because God sent his one and only son, who was innocent, to die for the guilty, the righteous one for the unrighteous. And so... The verse reminds us that as God's people, once again, we don't live our lives like the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. And so while we're here, please don't forget that you've been delivered. So while you're here, please don't forget that your identity is in Christ. But also while you're here, please don't forget that someone laid down his life for you so that you can live. And out of our love for him and, and wanting to honor him, we live for him as well. And so E is for eternal redemption. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 12, it says, But when Christ appeared as a priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. To make it really simple, what he's saying is that back then they made a temple where the, pre- where the presence of God would dwell. And this was a place, a, a tent that they made with human hands. But here it's saying, as now we know, that we are now the temple of God. We now know that His Spirit lives inside of us. And so it's also saying is that as he entered into the tent, he made an offering on our behalf and he became our high priest. So that means you don't need to go through anyone else to hear from God. We have Jesus. It means that you don't need to go through anyone else to pray. We have Jesus. It also means you don't need to go through anyone else in order to approach God. Jesus made a way for us because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so it says he entered the holy place by his own blood. And if we read in verse 13 to 14, it says, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a hypha, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ who the, through the internal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so what it's saying is that the blood of animals, you know, was not enough. To cleanse them, you know, they would, you know, slaughter animals in order for them to be purified. And it was often to do with works that were physical, the outward. But then it's telling us that it didn't deal with their conscience. It dealt with the outward, but it didn't deal with the inward. And so it became a religious act, only focusing on the works of the flesh rather than true transformation. It didn't. Cleanse their conscience, which is our moral sense of right or wrong. And I know in um, Romans it talks about how physical circumcision means absolutely nothing if there's no transformation. But it's the circumcision of the heart that's what makes the difference. And so the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse and restore our conscience. So our conscience was dead and affected because of sin. And because of his blood, it's been cleansed. And because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he pricks our conscience, which we know as conviction. But sometimes we confuse condemnation with conviction when the reality is they're two different things. Condemnation comes to accuse you, to remind you of what you've done wrong, It stands before you, you know, yeah, it stands before you as a reminder constantly, whereas conviction comes to make you aware of what you've done wrong so that you can go on the right path. There's a difference. Condemnation pushes you away from God. So if if you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you remember the things that you did the night before, I'm telling you that's not conviction, that's condemnation condemnation only serves a purpose and that is to separate you from God. And that's one of the strategies that the devil does to, you know, to attack God's people by reminding them of their past. And we need to be reminded of the truth of God's word, that if we confess our sins, he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and he's forgiven us. The thing with conviction is that the Holy Spirit does it out of love. It's he's gentle. He's not harsh, he's gentle. And we have a choice whether we're going to yield to him or whether we're going to rebel against him. And I know for me, growing up, my understanding of correction was rejection, or I'm always getting things wrong. But it wasn't until I read Hebrews 12, where it says that God corrects his children because he loves them. So it's that perspective that humbles us and helps us to receive it. It may be hard at first, but eventually we'll receive it because you know it's from a place of love. And that it's being and the Holy Spirit works on us so that we can, can become more like Jesus Christ and bear fruit. And so that verse also means is that what He's done for us is that we don't we are forgiven and we are no longer you know, we're no longer partaking in dead works. We're no longer doing things out of religion, but we now do things because we serve a living God. We now have fellowship and relationship with Him. You know, but the thing is though, sometimes we think, let me clean myself up first before I come to God. But who knows that never ends well. And the truth is you can try so hard But nothing will cleanse you from all unrighteousness other than the blood of Jesus, which is why we sing that hymn, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so Hebrews 9 verse 22 says, without the blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. So it's by his blood that our conscience is cleansed and it's by his blood that we are forgiven. And I remember something that my history teacher shared with me a few years ago about forgiveness. Our understanding of forgiveness is that sometimes we view forgiveness like whiteout. Like when you make a mistake, you white it out. But then what we do is that we hold it up to the light to see whether or not we can still see it. And we can do that with God's forgiveness. You know, He's forgiven us, but somewhere in the back of our mind, we have this idea that God is still, God has some receipt somewhere that He's going to pick up and use it against me. But the truth is that when you've been forgiven, you've been forgiven. And what it means is that he doesn't remember or what you've done is not held against you. So it says it's been blotted out. He blots out our sins. And so we've been purified by his blood. So we need to to get to that place where we understand the truth of God's word. Because no matter how many times you hear it, until you know it for yourself, that's when the power comes. I can tell you you're forgiven. Someone else next to you can tell you're forgiven. You can hear songs about it and read verses about it, but it won't change until you hear it and believe it for yourself. And so it's by his blood we're cleansed and forgiven. And the good thing is that we, he doesn't need to offer himself repeatedly. It was once and for all. And so it says in Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, Every priest stands ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So these priests would offer sacrifices all the time, but it wasn't enough to take away their sins. But Jesus did what we couldn't do in our flesh, and he forgave us of all of our sins. But not only that, it was permanent. So not just our past sins, our present and future. And so this is an eternal redemption, but this is an eternal sacrifice. It's once and for all. And all we need to do is to believe in what he has already done for us. And so the last point, D. D is for direct access. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, therefore, brothers, since we have Confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, you see every instrument that they had used in the Old Testament had to be purified with the blood, otherwise it won't be used. but now we've been covered by the blood of Jesus, we are now instruments of righteousness, and we can now approach him, and he can now use us because we've been saved also for his good works and so we are also clothed in his righteousness, and in first two Corinthians 521 it says he made him who had no sin to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God and if you're someone that's visual it just means that we're not just in right standing with God but think of it yourself as being clothed in white there's no stain there's no blemish there's no spot there's no wrinkle and so when the father looks down on us we are blameless we are without guilt we are without condemnation or shame and so like any relationship, we can come freely without reservation or anxiety because we know where we stand. Same way that we can come freely to God because we know what Jesus Christ has done for us on our behalf. And so we should never, it doesn't say let us draw near with fear or draw near with you know, hesitation, like, oh God, I'm bothering you again. But it says let us draw near with confidence. And it's a godly confidence And if we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, it says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Then we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he's our high priest but he knows, what it likes. he knows what it was like to be human. He walked among us. He experienced pain, suffering, betrayal. You know, he knew what it was like to be tempted and yet without sin. And so we can come to him and then we can come through him to God. And the good thing about that is that it means we can pray to God anytime, anywhere. But what it also means is that we can have a godly confidence. It's not out of arrogance or pride or a sense of entitlement. But if anything, it's a realization of what our Savior has done. And that's what humbles us. And so God wants us to draw near. You know, God made a way for a reason. He was intentional. Since the fall, he had a redemption plan. So Jesus wasn't an afterthought. And so it's not not just for us to, oh, we just know about it, oh, we can come to God, but we need to believe that we can come to God as well. We need to believe that he's done everything on our behalf and we can come to him without fear or condemnation, knowing that he's forgiven us. And so sometimes we don't realize that we have direct access to God because we don't know and we don't believe. But if you don't spend time in the Word, or if you don't know the truth, you will always believe a lie. And one of the lies of the enemy is that the person sitting next to you is more worthy and more deserving to enter the presence of God. And that's a lie, as we know, every single one of us was undeserving in the first place. And so we were all saved by grace. It wasn't something that we could earn, but we received it by faith. And so that means that you have the same direct access as your pastor, That means you have the same direct access as your parents, you have the same direct access as your leaders, and you have the same direct access as everyone else that is sitting here today. And we realize it's a great privilege to be able to come to God in our time of need. It's a great privilege to be able to pray and to know that there is someone that is far greater than all that is happening in this world, that there is someone that is constant, there is someone that is faithful, there is someone that keeps His promises, that when we pray and we cast all our burdens onto Him, He cares for us. You know, there is a great confidence that we have knowing that we can come to Jesus. And so... It's natural to want to strive to earn something. You know, there's a sense of achievement that you get, like, I did it. But when it comes to the cross, we can't boast in ourselves. We can only boast in Christ. And the good news is that we, again, I said before, we are clothed in His righteousness. But, you know, if we don't believe that, we can have this view of ourselves as, like, we're dirty, We don't realize it, but we can stand before God and have this fear of, "I don't want to approach Him. I'm dirty." Not realizing that we've been purified by the blood, and that's how you know that that's where our mind needs to be renewed constantly. We need to be meditating on His Word, so that when the lies of the enemy comes, we've got the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, that is able to divide and is able to pierce everything. And you know, in Revelations, it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and that is what we can hold on to when the enemy comes that's what we can hold on to when anyone else has something to say we can say no I've been covered by the blood of Jesus I've been cleansed from all unrighteousness I've been forgiven I'm a new creation all things have passed away and all things all things have become new and so there's no sin that is too great that Jesus did not die for And it's good to have an understanding that God is holy. It's good, but there needs to be a balance where we don't have a, you know, there's a fear of God and there's, we're afraid of God. You know, God is holy, yes, but he's also our father. And the same God that is holy drew us near through his son. And so we can come boldly to God because he's our father as well. We can come boldly to God because we have a relationship with him. And so it all starts with, Repentance. Once you've got that conviction, repentance is just a turning away and a turning to. And it's from that we're able to confess, it's from that we humble ourselves, but it's from that we are free. And so now we can approach God because we know that we've turned around, we've been forgiven, and we know that we have access to God through Jesus Christ. And so like the verse that says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make you white as snow. And God can still do that today, and it's not too late. And so I'll just get the band to come up. And I just wanted us to worship to the song Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And I just wanted to open the floor to anyone who, whether you realize sitting here that, you know, I I don't see, I don't see, I don't see myself the way that God sees me. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Or maybe you've realized that. Um, I just need my mind to be renewed and I just want someone to pray for me. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you realize all of this is great, but I don't think God can save me. And I just want to encourage you that there's no one that's too far gone that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was null and void. It was for everyone. Jesus remained on that cross for a reason. And I just want to remind us of the love of God. You know, I think of the verse, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions. And every time I read that verse, I think of as far as the east is from the west, and I think of the cross. I don't know why. And I just think of how he stayed on the cross. You know, he could, have, he could have done his own will, but he drank from the cup. He could have done what he wanted, but he remained there. He could have called a legion of angels and proved that he is who he says he is, but he stayed on the cross. And you know, the love of God is different to the love of this world. It's unconditional. It's not selfish, it's patient, it's kind, and it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not irritable or proud. It does not boast or keep any record of wrong. Rejoices in the truth, doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It bears all things, it keeps all things. Love never fails. And you know, I just wanna encourage all of us to stand up and to just as we read the lyrics on the screen, Now that we know what the blood of Jesus does, we realise this hymn is not just a bunch of words put together, but it comes from a revelation that what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.